Hello, Dancewell listeners. This is your co-host, Ellie Kushner. For season five, Marissa and I decided to invite on some guest hosts. We were looking to bring in some new perspectives, some new questions, and, well, just some new vocal sounds. On episode 93, you heard guest host Gregory Yudan, and today, on episode 95, you'll be hearing from Yen Yuan Kuo. We are really excited by the fresh ideas that these guest hosts are bringing to the podcast, and we hope that you are also enjoying their contributions. Yen Wen will be interviewing the incomparable Alexander McKibben about dancing on cruise ships. This is something I know nothing about, so thank you very much, Yen Wen and Alexander, for taking Dancewell into previously uncharted territory and expanding our understanding of the complexity that is living and dancing at sea. Buckle your seatbelts. On this episode, nutrition, life coach, dance and performance, psychological training. And today you are in for treat. Hi. Hello. This is Ellie Kushner. And this is Marissa Schaefer from Dancewell Podcast. Dancewell Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name's Yang Wen Kuo. Um, I'm the co-host of the Dance World podcast this episode. Um, a little introduction, introduction of, of myself. I'm from Taiwan originally, and I'm now based in Atlanta, Georgia in the USA. Um, I'm a dancer and Pilates instructor. I have my master's uh, from Trinity Laban for um, dance science and my dissertation is about injury rates among dancers on cruise ships and that's what it brings us to today's episode we're going to talk about how the performers on the cruise ship to stay well and then to reduce their um, rate of injuries and today I have this honor to um, interview a great um, physiotherapist in the UK his name is Alexander McKibben and he used to be a performer on a cruise ship and now he's transitioned his career back uh, to become a physiotherapist. So he was a great person to be interviewed and about this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and hand my imaginary mic to Alex, if that's okay to call you that, and then have him to introduce himself. Hi, Yenwin. Thank you very much for having me on this episode. I'm really excited to be here. And I think, um, like you said, I actually have two sort of career hats on. I have my performer's hat as well as my physiotherapist hat. So I come from it from both sort of aspects. And I think we can have a nice chat about how we can make a difference in this, um, in the cruise ship sort of world. Perfect. So um, a little bit more detail about the today's podcast, we're going to kind of talk about what's the culture, um, on cruise ships and then what's the challenging um, the challenges for the performance to stay well and also what's the um, current literature about this particular population and our main goal big goal is to be able to offer some take-home points for the performance on a cruise ship um, to um, practice right away so they can stay healthy um, throughout their contract. Well Alex why don't you give us your background? So I initially trained uh, arts ed uh, as a performer so I was there as a kid and then um, went on to do their music theatre course so my background wasn't just primarily in dance it was also in singing and, and acting and I am still performing not as much as, as, a, as a dancer moving <laughs> moving forward more into the acting and singing part so I was quite lucky that it wasn't 
always just just dance that I was uh, sort of trained in. Um, I actually did my physiotherapy training at the same time as I was uh, sort of performing as well. So I did my, my physiotherapy career quite young. So I graduated from the University of Hertfordshire in 1996. And the aim was always to work as a physiotherapist in the performing arts. But at that time, there weren't many resources or there weren't many pathways to, to, to go into sort of dance medicine. If we think about Adams, that was only formed in, in 1990. And I actually attended my first conference in 1997. And that opened up that whole sphere of, of that world of, um, of dance medicine. So how could I be a performer and also a physiotherapist working um, sort of with performers? So with my physiotherapy, um, I moved and did a master's uh, in, in London in sort of 2010, around, uh, around that time, graduated in 2012. And that was to then specialize. So I did my master's thesis looking at shoe heel height in music theater performers and the effect of, of um, sort of incremental heel height, how that changes um, and sort of EMG traces and the basic um, kinetics of, of jump landings. Other sort of things I've done, I've done a lot of volunteer work. So one of my greatest achievements was working as a physiotherapist at the London 2012 Olympics. So I was one of the, the team working with all of the performers on the four ceremonies. So not only the Olympic opening and closing, but also the Paralympic opening and closing. Um, so that was really exciting to be involved in a big sort of event, both from a sporting point of view and a performance point of view. And I'm also a rep for the ACPSEM, which is the Association of Chartered Physios in Sports and Exercise Medicine. And what I do with there is help people who are interested in working in either dance, performance medicine, um, and artistic sports, so gymnastics, figure skating, diving, those sort of sports, and how can we um, cross-fertilize ideas to, to improve um, standards of care for them. Sort of other career highlights, which tie in, say, a performance. I did do six contracts as a performer um, in the, the US around the Caribbean, um, performing on, on cruise ships. Um, and also I worked for um, Cirque du Soleil uh, at sea with their performance. So I was the onboard ship's physiotherapist and worked with the medical teams and the performers trying to optimise performance there as well. Does that summarise everything? Yeah, that sounds amazing. I was like, I wish I knew about your thesis when I was doing mine. <laughs> Because it was that that was very limited. So um, I think that kind of brings us to the point why this particular population is so special as a performer on cruise ships. Um, so I did not mention earlier, I was a professional dancer on cruise ship as well. I did a contacts with the company. So lots of experience and kind of that was like a highlight of my career and that's why um when I went to Trinity Lab on to do my master's in dance science we realized that a lot of the research at the, er, the beginning of kind of like the early on of the dance medicine science research you focus on more ballet and content like modern dancers bigger companies because they have more resources and the ballet it's more easy to codify you know, so there's a lot of research on those two type of dance genre. But um, for dancers on cruise ships, you have to kind of be the versatile performer, right? You have to, and they also have 
three different type of performer. You have the dancers only, and you have the dancer singer performer, and then there's um, the singer, like more like a feature singer. They just sing like a ballad song. Depends on the company. Like also depends on the shows too. For the company I work at, that they also have dancers also become uh, also do aerial work. So they're not just aerialists. They do both dancing and aerial. So there's like a lot of overlapping, and then definitely create a lot more challenging on that part would you agree on that yeah I think you know we know that sort of cruise ship performances are evolving and changing as well so a lot of the time you have those big review type musical Mm -hmm. shows where you have the dancers the singer dancers and they're becoming more um, spectacular as well a lot of the companies now are having broadway type shows and then obviously you have different lounges which have different acts as well so some of them they have Mm -hmm. the specialists with the circus performers where they put Mm -hmm. more of an acrobatic show like you're saying with the aerialist which again can can um raise the the risk as well exactly injuries and then in different uh lounges you have other performers so you'd have more of the vocalists you'd have the instrumentalists as well so Mm -hmm. there's lots of um uh, sort of changes in uh, um, within the industry as well Definitely. Exactly. So would you like to share a little bit what you see um, through your experience, your personal experience, and also like you as a physio had working on a cruise ship, like what kind of challenge do you see for performers? So if I go back to sort of my, when I was performing, I think we know that lower limb injuries are the big injuries that that, exactly. that happen generally within mm-hmm. in dance. Yep. The same mm-hmm. thing on the on the cruise ship. If you think mm-hmm. about the costumes that people are wearing, big costumes, headdresses, backpacks, um, girls in heels, in heels. <laughs> men in exactly. heels too. <laughs> exactly, men in heels. Um, so there's lots of. Um, uh, sort of external risk facts in terms of the costumes. If you think mm-hmm. about the um, the theatres themselves, um, mm-hmm. again, which if we're talking about the the technology side, there can be um, things sliding in and out on the yeah, on the floor. Tracks. Exactly, you can have revolves as well, so the stage is spinning. Mm-hmm. You have stairs that come up and down. So there's lots of things that, that from a technical point of view, um, can increase um, injuries. Quick changes. It changes. Oh my good, my goodness! Um, the amount, the amount of clothes that you underdress. Yeah. So you have maybe th- three, three costumes starting with, and literally every time you go off stage, you're whipping your, your, your clothes off to get down to the next level, and then back into yep. the next costume and stuff. So I think that's part of um, sort of the magic of theatre, but it does obviously yes. um, increase the uh, the demands. And so I think about the injuries that I saw. Yes, lots of ankle sprains. If you imagine the stage is a moving, moving, moving platform. So yep. that can, if you're already in um, in heels on a platform, moving, and then the ship is moving as well, yep. that can obviously cause problems. Mm-hmm. And it's not static. Sometimes you have karma seas, sometimes rougher seas. Yep. Obviously, it always changes. And before a show, there will be a call made um, to make sure that it is safe to mm-hmm. perform and that normally a collective decision between the stage manager there's mm-hmm. any sort of medical personnel and um, say the dance captain to make sure it is safe for the performers and people should you know be allowed to express 
um, their concerns. I think that's really yeah. important. And whenever mm-hmm. I worked on the ship, you could always say to the dance captain, you know, I don't feel safe to do this. And, and choreography, you know, was modified. So mm-hmm. they have different um, sort of levels of shows. It's a, If it's a riskier um, a sort of environment, you can go to an easier show track. So I think lower limb injuries, um, mm-hmm. uh, seen, and that can range simple sort of ankle sprains. You can have significant injuries as well. We did have one fracture dislocation during a show oh when I was out there. So that was obviously a, a, a big injury. Um, other injuries I've seen, back injuries. So a lot of lower mm. back injuries, uh, sort of uh, mm. pelvic injuries as well. Uh, so they were sort of the big ones that, that that I would see as a dancer. I think when I was obviously working more of the circus, we see a lot more mm-hmm. upper limb and spinal sort of injuries as well. So that was more as a you know as a as a physio that I was treating sort of upper limb, wrist, shoulder, neck, um, depending on the the demands of the show. So they would be the big things I would see from an injury Definitely. point of view. Yeah, from my personal experience, that when we have you know cast have the um dancers that also just the aerial track a lot of times they do experience shoulders injury because they have that um that demand extra demands on their body as well as i mentioned earlier um the there's kind of limited research on this particular population and um from i was talking to alex earlier today so we noticed this I did a research on myself when I was studying at Trinidad Laban, and there's also a recent uh, research about body image, which is from, um, her name is Jenna Chen, and she's also a, a alum from Trinidad Laban Conservatory of Music and Dance. So I think this is the only two like literature research that I know that we focus on this particular population. Um, so I can, I'll, I'll share a little bit about what I did, what I found out from my research. So um, like um, Alex mentioned before, as the most injury was definitely on the lower extremity, like ankle sprain is definitely the highest and also um, matched to the same high injury rate in all dance genres. It's about um, 82%. So I have about like hundred something participant doing the online survey. Um, and in my study, I found out that when di- people get injured the highest um, after they open their shows and they have like a less workload, but they doing rep- repetitive shows all at the yeah. same time. And that, and that ties in with what literature shows in um in other areas of, of, of dance and so not just with the cruise ships if we're looking at ballet if we're looking mm-hmm. at music theater performers on land mm-hmm. so we're saying it's around 80 percent in terms of people get injured per year yeah yeah it's lower limb mm-hmm. injuries pri- primarily mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously when people get injured so we know with the rehearsal period Mm-hmm. that's when the, the the biggest demands are when you're going to tech rehearsals people are getting fatigued at that point mm-hmm. and then towards the end of the contract when they're fatigued so you have those two big areas where injury rate is highest and that's obviously where people need to be aware that they're at risk and what sort of um, risk mitigation sort of strategies can you put into place for the listeners is not familiar with the cruise ship 
performer live. We're going to kind of give you a little context and then talk about the culture a little bit. Alex mentioned before, so we have like kind of like a three period. So the first is the, the rehearsal period. You have like really intensive. We did like nine to five, one Monday to Saturday and have one day of rest for about two month-ish. And then you go into, then you, the whole cast travel to the ship and then you have kind of like weird schedule because you have to fit into the the theater schedule as well. So some people might have like late night rehearsal because that's the only time the theater is open. And then like time is limited. So it's like really intense. And then after the show, like you put on costume and make sure everything, all the, the elements of the show is input and installed. We call it installed. And then you open a show and everything back to kind of like your regular schedule and then you enjoy the rest of your contract for whatever how long that is was that the same for you Alex yeah so both them both times say as a as a a performer and and as a physio so you have the rehearsal period on land and then move into onto the, the 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 ship and then trying to find time when the lounge is available is difficult when the current cast are sort of on site already and so that obviously in terms of timing is another is another issue because you might be rehearsing when you're when you're tired or trying to get enough um sort of food and fuel in and And you might be different time zone as well right you might be traveling to asia and then you have to adjust the whole thing yeah so that is that is an issue is an issue and we know Mm -hmm. that sleep and recovery is something that we don't you know examine it in dance medicine as much as we should do we know that if people are fatigued their injury risk goes up as well and different people perform better um at different times during the day i know myself i'm not a morning person so working in theaters <laughs> is good for me in terms of that late <laughs> night sort of peak whereas if you ask me to do stuff early in the morning i'm probably not at my my best but different people you know working work in different ways that's another cultural like special about ship life that you have a different rank like kind of like a military ship that you have the captain so there's like a rank difference and then people's living quarters are a little bit different too when I was performing on the like older ship like oh we have a porthole like a window in the cabin so which is nice because then you know when it's daytime was nighttime kind of, it's important for sleep but when you're on the like a newer ship when they like trying to type in more um and the amenity for the passenger, like the crew space gets a little bit smaller. Some of them that you share, uh, most of the time you share a cabin. For dancers, you share a cabin with another performer usually. Yeah. Yeah. And so that all those things, like you're saying, it, it does add to the, the issues or the culture around it as well. So you have the, the crew level, you have the staff level, and then obviously the passenger level. Now, normally as a performer or a specialist mm-hmm. act, you would have those sort of privileges so those yeah. staff or those passenger privileges who could mm-hmm. go to different areas of the ship so I think that is important to, to, to that's the culture of it in terms mm-hmm. of the food where you can go and get food on the bigger ships you have obviously lots of different places you can go to the ships I worked on there was about 3,000 passengers a thousand staff so 4,000 people living in those those areas mm-hmm. but you don't have a lot of control about what 
you can eat you know there are set programs and normally on a, it's on a rotating cycle so every two weeks it would be the same sort of menus which is fine if you're only there for a couple of weeks but if you're there like performers were for months on end sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating because you don't have as much choice or you you don't you can't obviously buy stuff and cook it yourself because mm-hmm. you don't have those sort of facilities so and if yeah. we're talking about fueling being an important part mm-hmm. of um performance and recovery Mm-hmm. That is that is a, a, a challenge. So many different cultures on board a, a, a cruise ship. I think that's yep. the really important part. The United Nations. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's part of the joy of it is you're mixing with yep. so many people from around the world, not mm-hmm. just within the performers, because, you know, performers can come from Australia, from okay. Asian countries, yeah. UK, uh-huh. Europe. Russia, America, so many different um, sort of people, which is great that you get to meet um, and make lifelong friends from different countries. And Mm -hmm. then in the wider ship, there's so many different people that you're meeting with. So you're trying to, to the the companies are trying to cater for a lot of different tastes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that that, that is difficult as well. Yeah. And then um, I was going to mention, because a lot of times when your crew members, you go to, they get food, the crew cafeteria we call the crew mess that um there's only certain time like breakfast is like five to i don't know maybe eight but most of performer we like perform late so most of the time you don't see performers up in the mess for breakfast <laughs> but then the mess close the dinner time around like late like usually before you finish your show so a lot of times they'll have to give like prepare like a trail food for the cast to bring in for us to eat dinner and then most of the time those are really limited food you get fried chicken not the most healthy options like some vegetables but most of the time it's like fried chickens something that's easier to preserve like you don't get fresh food so that's definitely the challenge yeah. for that and I think that the, the last contract I was working on that was improved so we did have conversations with the, mm-hmm. the catering department about what food yeah. could be provided for the performers because it needs to be easy to eat you don't mm-hmm. want to if you've got a show in an hour have a really heavy meal you won't you know what want to perform if you're if you've eaten too much at that time so we did have conversations about what sort of foods would be beneficial um, and what would give the performers the best feeling. And also hydration is an issue as well, because a lot of the time you're inside. So you're Mm -hmm. working in air conditioning the whole time. If you're in sort of uh, sort of exotic sunshine places, it's hot. So you're sweating a lot as well. So that can have an effect. So trying to keep hydration, you will be given bottled water, but um, a lot of the other water is treated. I think that can be difficult trying to make sure that you're keeping hydrated. I think it's what we need to speak about what's happened during COVID times as well, because a lot of performers at the moment can't get off the ship. They have to kind of get their, com- uh, their, they have to confine for like seven days to make sure they're not to have the COVID and then can't get off after they start working. Exactly. So I think that's part of it that yes, they're on the ship, but sometimes now they can be on the ships for weeks on end without being able to get off. So you're working in this confined environment, living, mm-hmm. you know, with your, your work colleagues and you know, your, your shore time is really exciting. That's part of what you want to work on a cruise ship because you get to go and yeah. visit these wonderful ports. But if you're not mm-hmm. able to get off at the moment because of the COVID restrictions, that puts an extra layer of stress 
um, onto people. And obviously we've been talking a lot about the the physical side of it. The mental health side is um, very topical and it's always Mm -hmm. been an issue. How within the Mm -hmm. context um, are people looked after physically and mentally? And I would say that that was brought up when I was having conversations with the medical team, what services can be provided, maybe not in house, but are there sort of um, telephone numbers or remote contacts that we could have if people are struggling in terms of the mental health, they have the, the best people to reach out to to support that. Exactly. So put your um, physio hat on right now. Um, so what kind of like practical tips for to give our performers when they are working on a cruise ships and sometimes um, the medical resources are limited? So I think, you know, the last contract I work on, I was really mm-hmm. lucky those performers had an on-site physiotherapist. They were really lucky that I was there as their advocate and I was treating them them regularly. I was looking at all of their um, pre-assessments, their mm-hmm. mid-contract assessments and their post-assessments so we could look at what goals they wanted to achieve and whether they were safe to perform. Whereas I realised that not a lot of other um sort of companies provide that and I would say there is a responsibility you know that they you know the access to healthcare professionals and knowledgeable healthcare professionals who understand performers is important so I would say that one um, thing that performers could do is try and seek out um, um, medical practitioners who understand them so there's obviously um within iAdams there are resources and lists of people Mm. who have experience we know now with remote communication that you can get in touch with people that even the ports you're going to there will be you know service providers there as well Um, I wrote down a sort of a list of tips as well so I said control what you can control I think the difficulty it's a, a you know as we said a really difficult environment you won't have a lot of control. Things will be outside of your control in terms of the ports you're going to, the rooms that you have, the size of the rooms, the people you're working with. You can't obviously influence that, but there are other things that you that you can control. So controlling what you can control. Looking at what you want to achieve throughout your contract, so having those sort of goals with your personal and professional um, sort of aims and aspirations I think is important so obviously we know it's really important that yes you are a dancer but that isn't all of your um, sort of identity so making sure that you have some personal goals as well whether it be financial trying to save some money whether it be um, seeing different places within the ports you're going to um, I think that's important to set those goals so at least you can look back and say you know, I visited all these different places in the in the contract. It's important. I think communication is really important when you're in those sort of environments. You will have a dance captain sort of as your line manager. So if you're struggling, make sure that you do verbalise to your line manager about what issues you've had. And if you can't talk to them, there would be like the cruise director who is sort of the next person in charge. Um, and if you can't speak to them, find somebody within the sort of the medical department or the wider team that you can communicate with. And make sure people know if you have concerns, don't try and keep it inside because that's mm-hmm. that's that's not good for anybody. But the managers won't know if you're struggling unless you say to them. Exactly. Um, I've written down a healthy behavior. So we've spoken already about sleep, trying to to get the correct sort of sleep. Sometimes it can be difficult if you're out partying. Um, <laughs> 
be, be after the show because it's difficult sometimes to wind down after you. you it is. It is. You get so hyped up, the all your adrenaline pumping. Exactly, and you want to go out and you want to have a good time, but you know if you've got a matinee show the next day, it's you know it's it's not conducive to to, to ideal performances. Um, looking at the food, so yes, we kn- we know that is an, an issue, but how can you make sure you're getting all of the right nutrients and fueling fueling correct correctly is important. Mm-hmm. And going back to the evidence, we know that fitter performers. Um, perform better have less injury that's what we're looking at in the in the, the the literature so making sure that you are keeping your fitness levels up most places you will have access to the passenger gym the gym yeah yeah, yeah. So, and then i so, think there's a lot of times company also help you to kind of stay in that fitness um in a good shape like they will um mandatory like a company dance class make sure you're not your your body doesn't just because you're doing repetitive show the same show every time so be able to do a different style just kind of change up can challenge your muscles a little bit it's great and they do require you to um, go to the gym it's part of the job (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so exactly. And if we know that that lower limb injuries are the big injuries, then obviously targeting exercises onto okay. those areas, making sure. So looking at my research, as you go into um, sort of um, higher heel heights, it makes the ankle less stable and you have to rely on your sort of ankle stirrup muscles more so doing mm-hmm. exercises where you're working to keep those nice and strong and make sure they are firing quickly and preemptively you know, is important as well. If the ship's rocky, you need to have more stability as well. So thinking about balance exercises, think about your glute stability exercises. Yeah, just really important. You know, if you think about, you know, the experience you've got with your Pilates, um, sort of training and stuff, lots of different exercises you can do to make sure that sort of your lateral sort of muscles are really, really strong and supporting you Mm -hmm. and helping control the, the, the rotation. Yes. And making sure this is a tough one in your warm-ups as well but if you're thinking about the costume sometimes you might want to be important to put your heels on and do some of the exercises not in the gym but in your warm-up making sure that you're making uh, warming up in your heels in the footwear that you're That's going to point. use yeah and doing your balance exercises because those are the muscles that need to switch on so if your ankle yeah. is more into a plantar flex position if you're pointing more you need mm-hmm. the muscles to be working in that range to to, to support you as well that's um, definitely a great point because i didn't do that <laughs> and cooling down cooling yeah, down i think um it's something that we don't do enough of. We don't look at the recovery side of it as well. So yeah. I think trying to do your your post show um, spinal Correct. stretches yeah. Uh, yeah, um, is is important. And your mental cool down as well. I think obviously just mm-hmm. allowing yourself to um, take yourself out of that dancer's role is important. And I don't mm. think we we look at that enough before people head to the the crew bar for a, a drink. Yeah, follow a nice drink. <laughs> Definitely. That's great. Um, that's a lot of great tips. So um, that kind of bring to you so and what we've see the future for kind of like the research on this particular population. So I really commend uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I commend you and I commend Jenna uh, and Trinity Laban for doing the research into it. We need to make sure that that impact is out there so people are, are reading it and 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 hopefully it'll spark 
other people to look at the, the, the information that's out there and progress it as well. We need the information. We need the information to be standardized. So obviously IADAMS has a yeah. great um, uh, sort of consensus method initiative where looking at the research methodology to make sure it's consistent and therefore we're reporting injuries in the same way. Yes. Because if the methodology isn't strong enough, then that has um, an effect on, on how we're reporting it. Um, I think that there's a responsibility both for the individuals, but mm -hmm. also from a corporate perspective for people you know, such yes. as the producers to be investing in artists' health as well. So I think that's important. So I would urge um, companies to, to you know, um, look at research projects and look at initiatives to make sure that uh, performers um, mm -hmm. remain healthy and make sure that they have access to good quality healthcare, whether it be on ship, on shore, or even remote. So post COVID, we know that those um, uh, sort of remote appointments are available. So I recommend people looking at it and not just looking at the physical side, looking at the mental health side as well, mm -hmm. um, because it is important. And I think Jenna's latest um, paper really highlights that about mm -hmm. body image, um, and how that is a big, big issue, not just in the cruise ship industry, but just generally. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that, that's a great, great point. Um, I feel that's all the things that we've prepared to talk about today. So um, just kind of like a review of the key point that Alex mentioned earlier. So for dancers, we want to jog it down at the end. Um, so the first key um, takeaway point set is we would like to control what you can control and make sure you set a goal, what you want to achieve each contract. And another one is communication. You want to be able to communicate with your um, supervisor and also be your best advocate and a healthy behavior, both mentally and physically. Um, did I miss anything, Alex? No, I think I think you've covered all of the, the the key tips, and obviously, I think you know if we can put, um, I suppose it goes back to the communication. There's that individual responsibility, but also the yes. corporate responsibility. So, with people who are working on the ships or working in the industry, keep on looking at what initiatives can be put in place to make the the cruise ship world a, a healthier and a happier place. It is. I love my time Me working as a performer. I love being a physio in it. Yes, there are issues, but it is a wonderful experience. And what we want Definitely. to do is, is improve on that as well. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. It's great talking to you and I hope everybody's enjoyed the information we provided. Um, please, um, you can reach out to um, the Dance Well podcast if you have any questions. Um, and... Hopefully we'll see you guys around. Thanks again. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Alex. On behalf of Marissa and myself, I, Ellie Kushner, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Our intro soundscape was composed by the dynamic duo Brendan Berry and Dylan Ezzy and dancer-designer Katie Dean crafted our visual image. To those of you who have made this season possible by contributing to DanceWell, we are infinitely grateful. We wouldn't be where we are without you. Your donations help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees and upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a donation, 
To dance well, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you like what you hear, we invite you to go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website, www.dancewellpodcast.com. And if you have any questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye!